Good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, baby. Uh, Ashley, and anyone who's listening online. Um, this morning, just to be real, um, it's obviously a little difficult for me because uh, one of my dearest friends, best friends, went home to be with the Lord yesterday. And uh, not that it's ever expected, but it was sudden. Uh, thankfully, he knows the Lord, and I look forward to seeing him one day. Um, there's Pastor Tony Schott of Indiana. He was a uh, part of the board here, and he always supported me. Um, I feel like making a eulogy for him, but um, I had, was planning on doing a topical message this morning coming off of Easter about practicality and purpose in that and how that ties hand in hand with faith but uh I was just gonna get it together to, to gather all my thoughts and things I've been considering the past couple of weeks about it but uh but yesterday after I found out shortly after um I was just down by the river behind the house or the creek as it really is um just wanted to read the bible and uh, the Lord just brought me to John 11, and it's, I didn't want to go there because it's obviously about the death of Jesus' close friend Lazarus. But I think that there's a few things that we can talk about this morning that would uh, help me, but also I think be pertinent and something for us good to, to consider. Um, John chapter 11. Um, And if I had to title it, it would probably be, I am the resurrection. The Lord, this morning, we just ask just for your hand on us, as always, and your spirit to fill us, as always. God, be with our friends and their hurt and Angie, just comfort her and minister to her and provide for her and and their children and comfort them. Tommy, Dessa, Bailey, and Shelby, God, thank you for them. God, please be with them. Please let them know that they're always on your mind and that they'll see their dad one day again in heaven and that he's in in a a much better place Uh, and he's in your arms and he's rejoicing and helping set the table, I think, in a way. He's always helping, always serving, always doing. And thank you that when he did pass, he was at church serving you. And I just know that he's with you and you said to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. I just miss my brother and I know you know that pain and I know that you give us these stories in the Bible to teach us about you but also strengthen us and draw us close to you and let us hear your heart. This morning we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The death of Lazarus, John 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. 
remember that story where she came in and took the expensive oil and wiped his feet and Judas was upset. Therefore, uh, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. You know, they, they sent him a messenger and they obviously could have texted him or email him or call him, you know, thankfully uh, we're able to do that these days, but they had to send someone. So Lord, you're, your brother and the, uh, the, the man that is one of your closest friends is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know, they were a few days' journey away from uh, Bethany at this time. Uh, now, so he's sick. takes a couple days, or maybe a guy runs, you know. If you ever heard the story of, uh, was it Marathon? Uh, I guess there's some invading army, and this guy runs, he runs 26.2 miles to give the message. That's why a marathon's called a marathon, why it's this weird number. But that's what people used to do. They ran or maybe ran a horse or something. But he got there. Jesus finds out about it, so it's been a little bit of time. But he says that God may be glorified through it. Now, we know Lazarus dies. We know that the Lord knows that. And yet he says the sickness is not unto death. So there's a little bit of prophecy there. Uh, even though at first read, you might think that, uh, oh, he's not going to die. If you were there, you're like, oh, he's not going to die. But verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus, you know, these were his, his close. You have friends, and you have, you have friends who are like family, and I think that's what these people were like with him. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So obviously not in a rush to get out of there. But then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? You know, it's not safe there, Jesus. We left there for a reason. You know, we figured that's why he didn't go back when he found out Lazarus is sick because people want to hurt you there. And he said, Jesus answered and said, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the, in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. You know, Jesus says, don't worry about those people walking in the dark, stumbling. We're the light. We're going to go where we want. The light is going to lead us, and we don't need to, to live in fear of darkness. He says, don't worry, Lazarus is sleeping. I'm just going to wake him up. Just going to wake him up. You know, I think a lot of times we think we, we like sleep because we're not moving. We don't have to deal with the real world. Sometimes we have dreams or nightmares, but it's another place we experience. And, uh, we get to zone out for a little while. If things are hard, it gives us rest for the next day as well. And Jesus says, Lazarus is just sleeping. I'm just going to wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Like Jesus, like he's sick and he's sleeping now and he's resting. That fever is going to go away. He'll get better tomorrow and he'll be up watching prices Right and eating soup. He'll be fine. You don't need to go there. But Jesus, however, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. They didn't know that Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. And so, like Jesus has to do so often with us, he has to say it again plainly. If you're not ready for the spiritual, he says, guys, Lazarus is dead. 
I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. You know, Jesus always had others on his heart and on his mind. He was glad for their sakes, that this opportunity would be an opportunity for these men who were with him to believe in the true power of God. When Thomas, who is called the twin, or Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So Thomas doesn't get it still. <laughs> he thinks that we're going to go and we're going to get killed by the people who ate Jesus. And Lazarus is one of those guys. So when Jesus came, verse 17, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So that's a long time. He's already buried. You know, when they took Jesus off the cross, they buried him the same day, but they were kind of rushing it. So he's been dead a little while. Four days, five days. We've already had the funeral. We've had to travel a little bit, and they're they're not just late. They're and it's, if in a worldly sense, they'd be rudely late. He found that he had been in tomb four days. Verse eighteen. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So they had friends in the area who were there with them, and Martha. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Mary didn't run out to meet Jesus. She was the one who sat at his feet. But this time she stayed sitting in the house. And Martha was the one who was rushing around. And now she's rushing to meet Jesus. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And don't we say that a lot when someone dies? Lord, if you were here... Why would he die? If you were here, the car accident wouldn't have happened. If you were here, where were you, God? He was at church. He was serving you. Where were you? And Jesus doesn't get mad at her. Jesus doesn't get mad at you, especially with death. If you're upset, if you're angry, talk to him. Tell him how hurt you are, how upset with you are, even at him, even if it's misplaced. He'll talk to you. He'll sort it out with you. Don't let it be something that grows between you and the Lord. We were never meant to know death. Death is a result of sin and the fall, and we were banished from the garden into a world, a real world that has death in it. We weren't supposed to, and we're not meant to handle it on our own. It's good to have people around you. It's good to go and be with family and mourn. Just reading Ecclesiastes 3 this morning. It was in Ecclesiastes and 2 is supposed to be my chapter, but I just read 3 because it says, For everything there's a time and a season, time to be born and time to die, time to mourn and time to laugh, time to weep and time to rejoice. There's a time for it. But she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She's like, even now I know that if you ask God, you could bring Lazarus back from the dead is basically what she's hoping for. You know, I prayed that yesterday. I know God is able to. And I felt like the Lord said to me, do you really want him back here? 
Do you really want him to leave here? And he couldn't answer. I know my brother's in heaven. I know he's rejoicing, but he's got a wife and kids here. The Bible talks about providing for widows and for family, and I pray that they have good support around them. That's a hard one. Of course I want him back, but do I want him ripped out of heaven? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Like, Jesus, I know that in the last day we're all going to come back to life. We're going to be judged. And the good are the, those who have been judged on, on your behalf, God, are going to go to heaven. And those who have rejected you are going to go to hell. And he said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. The I am's in the Bible. God says, I am the great I am. Was and is and is to come. But I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He says, I am the resurrection. That Martha, it's not about the last day. That that event is not the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. Love is true love, agape love is not an attribute of God. True agape love is God. Salvation is not something that God just did. Salvation is God. The very fact that he would go to a cross and die for our sin is God. It's not a good work in a sense. It was, and it was something that saved us, but the but Jesus, Yahweh, Yehoshua, Yahweh is salvation. He is salvation. He is the resurrection. If we know him, if we have a relationship, we have already been resurrected. That last day is for our bodies. When we'll be resurrected for eternity, when we come out of the end of time and are brought into this period of, of no time, you know, they talk about the last day, that we're in the last days, and there will be a last day. That last day is just the end of time. That resurrection is being brought back into eternity and brought into eternity. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If we want life and true life, it's in him. And my brother, Tony, had that resurrection. He's experiencing it completely now. But even as you sang that song about Jesus being a friend and a brother... I could just picture my friend Tony, but it wasn't him. I could see that the love he had was Jesus in him, that the life he had was Jesus' resurrected life in him, and the way he loved me and he loved his family and loved those around him was Jesus through him, that Tony was just a vessel for that. And that's what Jesus is saying here, is that I am the resurrection and the life. You don't need to wait for that day, Martha. I am it. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That your body dying is not the end. 
It's a veil being torn. It's clothes being taken off and we're given a new body. But he shall live. Jesus said, don't fear those who can only harm your body. Fear the one who can take away your body and cast your soul into hell as well. And he says, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So if you're alive and you put your faith in Jesus, you'll never die. The greatest hope of that is the rapture. When if Jesus comes back soon, it's I think and I pray and I hope, I will never die. But if he tarries and I die physically, well, it's just my physical death. I'll be resurrected again. And I have hope in that. And he says to her, do you believe this? Do you believe not just in the things you've learned the whole time, Martha, not just in the doctrine of the end times and of resurrection of judgment of heaven and hell, but do you believe that I am that resurrection, Martha? I am more than a man. I am God incarnate. And she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha got it. We give Martha a bad rap all the time for working and running around in the kitchen while Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and that was good and all. But do you see here that Martha got it? Martha ran to him because she knew that Jesus had power over death, and that death was like sleeping, and that if he had just been there, Lazarus would have been better, just like he healed all those other people. Verse 28, And when she had said these things, she went her way, and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. Now, I don't know if he actually asked for her or not. Maybe she was trying to get her to go to him. And she said it secretly because there's so many people. And, you know, there's a lot of people around. There's people they care about, people that are there at the funeral. But I'm sure sometimes at a funeral, you just kind of need to talk to your family. You don't want it to be a big show or a big thing. But Jesus is here, Mary. You know, there's this time of mourning that they would have. Um, that was customary. Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. So he was kind of outside a little bit. And the Jews who were with, with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her. She had probably been sitting there, been depressed, been down and out, been crying, quiet, reserved, in the house, not doing much. And all of a sudden she jumps up and runs out. They know something's up. And they followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. You know, we're here to, to weep for her. We're here to be part of the mourning party. So wherever she's going to go, we're going to go and weep with her. And then when Mary came from where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She knew that Jesus could have healed him. Like, Lord, you, you could have been here if you were here, Lord. And then when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. You know, when I first found out yesterday, I'm sure anyone listening could relate to they've experienced death that, uh, you know, I was in a bit of shock. It wasn't, you know, to be honest, I had to make sure that it was the right Tony that I was getting a text about. And I confess, I, I knew deep down that it was Tony. 
but in a selfish, sick way, I was hoping it was another Tony. Sorry, the other Tony, but you know, this has got closer to some people than others. Not that I hope or wish anyone else dead, but that's the heart. But I was in shock. I called a bunch of people, told a bunch of people that needed to know. And it didn't really hit me for a little while. And when I did, it hit me. And this is what's happening to the Lord here too, in a sense. Like, when he sees her weeping, and he sees the funeral procession, he groans in his spirit of his trouble. But deep down, it hit him. And not that he was numb or callous before that, but... He says, where have you laid him? Where's the tomb? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And it says that Jesus wept. One of the shortest, the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words in English. And he wept. The resurrection and the life. Everlasting love. God in the flesh broke down and cried and sobbed and seemingly uncontrollably I sound completely ridiculous when I was crying yesterday but that's what it is this anguish and this grief just breaks forth out of your soul and the Jew said see how he loved him Look, gee, this was his friend. You know, when people die, you get sad. And everyone's kind of different on the emotional scale a little bit. But I'd venture to say when you lose someone really close to you, you weep. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Like, is he not able to? Is this some sort of hypocrisy? Like, he, he would heal strangers and... This is his best friend. He didn't heal him. I think sometimes we wonder that about the Lord. Like, Lord, we're believers. We're your people. We're your brethren. And you haven't healed us. You haven't brought us back to life. I've lost a child and you haven't brought him back. And we begin to cast some sort of strange eye on Jesus. Couldn't he have done this? It's like when he's on the cross. It's like, He's everything he says he did. Why wouldn't he just take himself down off the cross? Come on, Jesus. Get yourself down off of there. But what they don't know is that there's a deeper spiritual war and reality going on here. There's a bigger spiritual purpose that Jesus allowed his best friend to die. And it didn't, it wasn't like it didn't affect him. He's weeping. Lazarus, his buddy, his brother in a sense, is dead. And Jesus, groaning in himself, just grieved and came to the tomb. It was a cave and there was a stone that was against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a smell, for he has been dead four days. Like, Lord, like, come on, we don't, we don't want to open this way. He's been in there four days. It's too late. Uh, it smells. There's no point. 
it's going to be awful. It's going to be gross. We've already we've already laid him to rest. Uh, let's just let's just move on. Let's just let it let it be. Let's not dig up these emotions again. We've already been weeping for four days. We were, we're out of tears. I, I can't look at this again. I can't deal with this again. I can't smell the smell of death on my brother again. I can't see his his cold face again, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that you would believe? That if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Like Martha, we were just talking about this. Please, you'll see the glory of God. And sometimes we have to open up the tomb that's been closed for a few days in our hearts and our lives. And let Jesus in and let Jesus do what he wants to do, even if it smells, even if it's awful. If we're going to see the glory of God in our lives. A lot of times we keep that stone in front of our hearts. We keep that stone in front of our relationships. And we don't let God open it up and dig it out. And deal with it. And we wonder why we don't see the glory of God in our lives. In our churches. and our families. and In anything. It's because we're unwilling to open that tomb. And you know why we're unwilling to open that tomb? Because even though we say we believe He's the resurrection and the life. Our belief stops at some point. Our belief stops at the cold reality of death. We believe it, but when it actually happens, do we believe it? I think sometimes God allows that death to happen that He might take us through it and let our faith be in that death. That we might actually cry out, God, bring them back from the dead. The ambulance couldn't do anything. The doctors couldn't do anything. But God, you can do it and put that actual faith in him even if our loved one never comes out of the tomb. Because do we really believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Because he who believes in me, though he may, shall die, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And Jesus asked, do we believe this? And we read the Bible, something that he's been saying to me so clearly and strongly for the past few years is do I believe this? Not just the fun things, not just the good things, not just the nice things, but when I get to the hard, confusing, painful, unbelievable parts of Scripture, like this right here, do I believe it? And do I believe it so much that I cry out to Him? To do the things that he does in the Bible for those people in my life. I'm starting to. Not quite there yet. I'm not quite rolling away the stone. But I know God can. And I know God will. If it doesn't happen today, it'll happen at his coming. But it could happen today. But if it doesn't, it's not because he's not able. It's because he's got a purpose in it. As hard as that is to hear, as hard as that is to, to swallow, God, you have a purpose in this death of this person that you, you love and that I love. Yes. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are much greater than my thoughts. And where were you, Job, when I founded the earth? God knows things that are so beyond our imagination. We've sent probes out 
millions of miles into space. We've taken pictures of things that are unfathomably far away and perhaps unfathomably far back in time. Although we don't know, speed of light has changed and all these other things. But even the amount that we know, we think we've reached a plateau and a height in our society and mankind of knowledge. And yeah, we know a lot in some ways compared to the people even 100 years ago. But compared to the universe, we know nothing. Nothing. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We know nothing. And God made it all and holds it all together. And we come to him and yell at him and say, God, how could you? And God says, I didn't. This is because of sin. This is what you guys chose. Lazarus didn't die because he was a sinner. Lazarus died because he lived in a sinful world that was broken and not the way God intended. And Jesus was here to show everyone that God was going to fix that. That even though we messed up, God was going to get us through. And that death was not the end for us, even though it was the end that we chose. If you want to get mad at anyone about death, get mad at Adam and Eve. Get mad at the devil. But don't be talking to the devil. Let God do that. Even Michael the Archangel says, the Lord rebuke you. Don't get sucked into that garbage. But God's not the one we should be mad at. And that's the trick of the enemy. To be mad at God for something that he never wanted to be. And in fact, he made a way out of. And he's showing that here. He says again, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. He was dead. Four days, this was not anything else. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. He looked up. He looked up. Fold your hands and close your eyes, Jesus. No, he looked up. And he said, Father, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Can we pray that? And I know that you always hear me. Do we know that? Listen to what he says. What he prays. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. That Lazarus' ministry was not in life, but in death. And his ministry was the greatest than any of us can ask for. That the people standing by may believe that God sent Jesus into the world to die for our sins and to raise us back to life with him and to make us one with him again. Now, when Jesus had said these things, he cried forth with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Peace be still, right, to the winds and the waves. Lazarus, come forth. Wake up, oh Lazarus. I, I had a good friend back in the day who would sleep so soundly and anywhere. He'd fall asleep in the car. You have to like push him out of the car. He wouldn't wake up. He fell asleep in a friend's house on the floor while we were moving. Just this guy could sleep anywhere. He could sleep through a fire alarm. He said it was a lot from his childhood. You don't sleep in a loud place, I guess. 
And like Jesus said, I'm just waking him up. Lazarus, come forth. He didn't go over. He didn't touch him. He didn't give him CPR. He didn't inject him with something. He spoke to him. He's dead. His body cannot hear. So Jesus was speaking to Lazarus' spirit. Come forth. I have power over this. The body is incapable of responding. That is what death is. There is no life left in the body. There is no physical response. Someone is brain dead. They, they don't respond anymore. And yet you read about people coming back after 30 years. Just because the doctor says you're a vegetable does not mean that you're gone. There's more to the body. There's more to, to you than your body. In verse 44, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was also wrapped with a cloth. Think of him coming, kind of hopping out looking like a mummy. And Jesus says, Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Think about when Jesus died on the cross and his clothes were all neatly bound up. couple more verses. God bless you. A couple more verses. Then Mary, many of the Jews, excuse me, who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. There's the answer to prayer. These people who had come to weep didn't believe in Jesus. In fact, some of them were like, couldn't this guy, couldn't he be a savior? He prays. He speaks. Lazarus comes hopping out like the Easter bunny. And these people believe. His prayer was answered. Lazarus' ministry was fulfilled. That his death and resurrection brought these people to life. And that's the, that was Jesus' ministry. That his death, all the things he did on earth were fantastic. He saved people. He gave great messages and teachings on how to, to, to live the way God wants us to live. To know God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We've gotten a glimpse of God that we didn't fully have before Jesus came. But Jesus' real ministry wasn't completely fulfilled until he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. And all this, all this pain, all this sorrow, all this death, all the sin, it's done with. My ministry is cared for. I've become sin. I have become death. That you may live. And yet even with this, like we see today, some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did and they gathered together and they wanted to kill Jesus. That there's two reactions when we see someone, when we see Jesus bring someone back from the dead. We either fall on our knees and worship God for who He is and fall in love with Him because He loved us first or we expose who we really are. Wicked and evil. And we hate Him. We want to get rid of him. We don't want any evidence of this resurrected life because we want nothing to do with the resurrected life. And how foolish and how tragic that is. Why would you not want to be free of death and life? Because you're sin. Pride. You're unwilling to bow the knee to the one who's really God. You want to play God and think that you can live forever and do whatever you want on your own terms. But the universe doesn't work that way. This universe wasn't created that way. It's held together by one. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus wept. And Jesus weeps and mourns for us when we mourn. Not because he did something wrong. Not in a sense selfishly like sometimes we weep. 
when we're selfish and we cry, we want attention or we just want someone to hug us and we cry a little louder or we cry because we've lost something. But he weeped and cried because people he loved were hurting. And because sometimes we have to go through these things in this world, but know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That somehow he's got a plan for this that we just can't fathom. We, can, we can't even fathom quantum physics. We try to, we struggle with it as a, as a human race, but we can't even understand how the Legos of the universe work, how we can understand magnificent and wonderful plans and purposes of an all-powerful and all-seeing and all-loving God and know that he loves you and like Paul said that you know if we don't have the hope of the resurrection we're the most pitiable but we have a hope and we don't mourn like the world mourns we mourn yes because we lost yes because we hurt because we love this person and because of ramifications and troubles that our friends and family will have to to go through and trials but we don't mourn a true death we mourn for a temporary loss we know that we'll see him again one day. It could be today if the Lord comes back. It could be today if we die. We're not guaranteed of tomorrow. We're not guaranteed of anything in this life. And that's the mistake is thinking that we have any guarantee and any knowledge of that. And I think like Lazarus's point was to bring people to Jesus. So I think in, uh, in a way my friend's death is to bring people to the Lord. I know you're a believer here, babe. I know I am. And if anyone's listening, know that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, because what you believe comes out of your mouth, you believe in Jesus, that he died for your sins, you will be saved. That's it. You can be forgiven of everything. Don't have to do anything. But if you're really forgiven, you'll start to do different things. You'll live differently. Because you can't help it because he's the resurrection and the life. And Lord, we pray that through my brother's death that we look forward to seeing him in heaven. We can't wait for that day. And God, I know it's going to be so good to be reunited with him in heaven with you. And I know that he's got a new body that won't fail. He's got no more tears and he's rejoicing and uh, just doing wonderful things with you in heaven. But God, we pray for those in his family, and his friends, and his co-workers who don't know you, that there will be an opportunity for them to come to know you through this and that they would see your power and your resurrection, your life, even in uh, Tony's death. Thank you, God, for this morning at church. We thank you that he always supported me and was a part of this church here on the board and was praying and supporting us. And uh, I got to just thank you for that legacy that he lives. Just be with his family this morning. I love you, God. I look forward to all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.